13th floor. The 13th floor. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 13th floor, where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. I am moderator B. Jones, and we got Mr. Smiley on the podcast this morning. Mike D., what's happening? Welcome to be back in the new digs, ladies and gentlemen. And the new digs. Yeah, earlier today, we're gonna have to have fresh throw some of that beautiful bean footage in like a highlight reel or something. Yeah, we'll get the 3D image up on the site so folks can see. Take the virtual tour. Please make sure whatever you touch, you put it back. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, our resident BFBG, Mr. Faison, what's going on, brother? Oh man, enjoying life as as always. Um, had a great time yesterday. Um, at my <clears throat> my second home, Six Flags. Uh, so yeah, it's been great. Which which was his second theme park for the week? Where'd you go church. before that? Uh, Universal. Oh snap! Oh for yeah. <clears throat> Y'all hit the Harry Potter world and everything. Both. Is Harry Potter world? Yeah, there two. Yeah. 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 Universal. There's oh. two now. Yeah, it's it's in the Universal. Yeah, you you go through the the uh, Hogwarts train. And then you go to the other side and then um, you get off. And it's like, you know, in a movie where they had that wall, that kind of like the vanishing wall. Yeah. They built that. So you can walk by if you didn't know. But then you kind of go in there and boom, whole new world behind it. Oh, man. I didn't even know it was there. It was a mistake. I walked by. I was like, what? What is this? <laughs> what? Dang, man. Now I got to go back to Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's going on, sir? You- oh, man. Look, I'm... Happy to be home for a day and a half before I go back to Orlando. I go back to Orlando tomorrow, but last night I was able to sleep in my own bed. That was pretty cool. So, <laughs> just been on the on the uh, the Florida tour. Florida little things tour. in life, the little things. The little things, easy. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, man. We want to get into a little bit about raising our children this week. We got four different views on this thing. Um, but specific- we, we think we have four different views. Yeah. We might all end up on the same viewpoint. <laughs> what, what's the, what, what, what's the saying, uh, Mike? Like, Spit a ride for the child? I like the way you guys are trying to um, market the podcast. Yeah, listeners, stay, please keep listening because we're going to have four different views. There's going to be some drama. There's going to be some tension. <laughs> listening all the way through. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Because, I mean, looking at raising kids, man, it's, it's, some, it's a different philosophy for everybody, man. I was one uh, that was raised with the, you know, the child is, is seen and not heard type of philosophy. And then you had the big mamas in the house all around you. So, you know, and then a lot of a lot of me, with me is, you know, trying to create that sense of discipline and respect, but kind of towing that line and not impart, uh, uh, placing fear in the heart of my child, because I think there's a very, very thin line between those two especially with how you go about garnishing that respect and so um i really try to explain a lot stuff a lot more stuff to my child and i i don't pick up the belt or switch or any of those things um and i don't even i try not to even think that way because i don't think that it's the most beneficial way of disciplining the child um so i don't know where you guys are with that And say switch, not switch. Right, <laughs> that pause right there. <laughs> mm. Bring back memories. But, yeah, belt. Yeah, so it's uh, it's different because like I didn't have like the big mama kind of scenario, but it was still my mom's older. So like when I was born, my mom was thirty one, so to speak. <clears throat> uh, 
So it was interesting that you kind of get the old philosophy, but because she was around younger parents, it wasn't a child doesn't speak. So like I was able to talk through stuff. We were able to talk about a lot of things, but it was still, I'm your mom, it's my way. So kind of working now with the kids, it's been a little bit different. So I haven't been to a point where it's like, I don't want to hear you. You can't talk, you can't give any input. And especially as they've gotten older. So like the first kind of situation where you get the whooping out that kind of set the tone and then after that i'm good because i got a good one in so (laughs) (laughs) i kind of got that respect going back and forth that at any point in time i could bring it out you don't want me to bring it out so just do what i need you to do um but depending on it we could talk through it yeah i don't have a problem with that i uh i think that i i i got like different views because throughout my life i have um you know, I was one, one being the only child is a whole different mindset when it comes to kids. So yeah, that just, that right there changes just your view in general, how, you no, know, you're the, you're the boy on both sides. You're your dad's only son. You know, you're like the, the quote unquote golden child for that side of family. Um, so the, the spoiling, the getting things you want, uh, that part was, was easy. Um, I think I've only been hit probably three times in my life. One from my great grandmother for whistling in the house. That was weird. Comer guard. Totally Comer guard. I, I was like, what? I, you never said I couldn't, what? That was, there was a warning. It was just like, wow, pow. So I was like, okay, <laughs> let's learn. That came out of nowhere. So that was that one. And then, um, you know, my mom, I think may hit me one time. So I did something stupid. I can't remember what it was. And then my uh, stepdad um, uh, hit me because I got a, a B. But I was like, oh, yeah, I got to be. It's the best I can get. And he's like, no, nah, not, that's not the best you can get. Don't accept yourself for less. So I've never been, never needed to, I guess, be, be, be punished in that mindset. Um, oh, I got, I got a hit because I, I went to, I was in Philadelphia and um, I went around a corner and I was just out and about. Mom gave me 10 bucks to go play video games, blah, blah. So we were at the arcade around a corner, one of the corner store shops. And I like you know, ran out of money. So I was just walking around and, I think somebody had like a video game in their house and I was like, Oh, I'll go play. Cause I was so naive and still to this day, that's just me. So we went to his house and some random person's house and was playing games. And my mom couldn't find me for like three hours. So that was, she was a little angry. Um, but other than that, it, it's been good. So I don't have that, that anger bone or that, that need for um, switching. I'm kind of more of a talker and understanding. So I'm sure we'll get into more as it goes forward, but yeah, my views are are different when it comes to that because I didn't have to. I had the yelling in the house, but I'm not a yeller. I'm not a big fan of yelling because I think that hurt more than actually being whipped in my mindset. So I don't have time on this podcast <laughs> to talk about the number of times I was hit um, <laughs> growing up in an island household. It's just a totally different dynamic. What? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could, you could pronounce something wrong and you can get it. Uh, but I think, I think the bigger thing is I don't want it to be about fear. Right. That's not what I want. And you know, so Asher just turned two, just like Namdi. Um, but it's that, it's that progression so right now we're at the point where I do explain things to him. Um, and it's funny, Wendy would say all the time, I talk to him like he's a grown man. You have to. And yeah. my thing is, look, I got to start that foundation now. 
Right. And then this week, it's funny that this is the topic today because she said, you know, sometimes you talk to him in a very finite way and you get bass in your voice. And my thing is, I want him to understand where his environment, one, be, be aware of what's happening in your environment and understand that it's that two to five seconds that you have to really understand what's happening and that may change the course of what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. So there is a consequence to your decisions and the consequence is not about fear. It's just understanding that, okay, if I do this, then this is going to happen. Consider the possibilities of what is going to happen. And that's not just about the household, but that's when you get outside the house. Because as a black child, specifically a black male child, there is a lot more you have to be aware of mm-hmm. that you have to be able to consider the scenarios of, of, of what could happen. So I, I think for me, it's just about creating that. It's not about fear. Um, it's kind of like that Will Smith uh, movie and, and Jaden that mm-hmm. didn't do well, but there were some really dope concepts in the movie. Um, and I think the quote was, um, fear is not real, uh, but danger absolutely is real. Um, and it's understanding what is that danger and that sliding scale of, of what that looks like. So one thing I got outside of the, the, the fear and danger um, part of it was how you talk to him. And I do the same thing with my son because I'm, I'm really particular about how I explain things to him and how he receives it. So when I do have to talk to him about something he just did, there is that bass in your voice because I'm, I'm trying to raise a man. And I think it's certain ways that they have to learn how to communicate. So I don't let him look to the left or look to the right or look down. No, you look me in my eye. Yeah. And I'm talking to you. I'm talking straight to you. And you know, you're, you're receiving this message and it's kind of setting the tone for how I want him to be able to communicate with people in the future. Like you said, there are so many things that he's going to encounter in life just growing up as a black male. You have to set that that foundation. And I mean, it goes into so many other things, whether it's his dealings with the police or dealings with people in school or even at, on a job where he's going to have to have this firmness or this ability to communicate as a man with people to garner that respect as a man. Yeah. And let me ask you guys this question because we, we, we kind of hitting on it, but not really um, defining it or explaining it. Is there a difference in this country between raising a black child and a white child? Oh, yes. or, or, or a minority child and a non, uh, a majority child. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's your point of reference. It's kind of what they can or what they have to expect or what you're raising and to be prepared for. It's completely two different scenarios in the same situation. <clears throat> so if you're raising a black boy, getting them to be prepared to be cautious, to kind of think through and be observant of their surroundings before you speak to kind of understand what it is because your words can be taken in a particular way. Whereas if you're raising a white boy, it's more, (laughs) it's more, hey, as soon as something happens, you say something. Um, So it's, yeah, it's completely two different scenarios. I I think that, and me living right now in in predominantly Indian um, or Asian Indian uh, neighborhood, uh, I see a difference. So Nambi's daycare is, um, you know, completely mixed. Everything's there. He's probably the, there may be three, I would say, black kids, him being African, or it's two Africans, Nigerians, and then, you know, one one regular person from America uh, mindset. 
but it's just like to see that and this yeah i know it's different it is it really is different background between raising a nigerian kid african kid or amazing a black american kid is different okay what it about is, just raising black kids period like yes this is true but i okay so so let's let's prerequisite that so the things that that we the parents of black american have that they teach their kids are gonna be different than what a Nigerian, so, um, uh, this is cultural. You, you getting into it's gonna be different. Your views on what to expect, what you can do, it's gonna be different on how you say it because you don't know that this is oppression or this is that because you don't, that wasn't in your, in your lineage for that point in time until there. Whereas mm-hmm. now it's like, oh, you gotta be cautious because you know, don't touch this boy's that. It's just, it is a different mindset in how you're teaching. I people. mean, I, I understand, but I think for me, what I was thinking about when you said that is that your kids are two generations removed. This is true, but they still they are they are. Yeah. I, I, I don't, don't get don't get me wrong. I understand. Yeah, experiences, family experiences, that all comes into how the kids are raised. Yeah, but I think at the end of the day, when they get exposed to whatever it is, it's not going to be to any lesser degree than a, a African American child. This is this is true, but I think that that and no, from their view, from my view. They're going to look at it a different way. So they, they might not jump immediately to, oh, man, what a racist action. It's going to be, oh, man, what a mean person or what a rude person. So they, the thought of how they got to that point isn't going to be the immediate zero to ten. They may get to five and then go, oh, oh, oh that was that after a couple of times. But, um, you know, just just that is the, 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 the base and background for that. But writing back to the original point is that, you know, just how the kids are, are talking to each other, how they're interacting, how they're doing things, and how, you know, if Namdi was to hit somebody or push somebody, that would be taken, it could be taken differently than if one of his, his friends or other students pushed someone and go, oh, well, you know, it, he's not being aggressive, he's just being a two-year-old. But if Namdi would have done that or another kid would have done that, he'd be the, the aggressor kid in the class. And I've seen that happen, not to, to Namdi, but to the other kids. And it was like, no, he learned that from the, the, the 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 Indian kid over there, and he learned how to yell from the white kid over there. But he wasn't doing that before he got to this process. So it's just the environment that automatically gets put on on that kid of uh, the, the the aggressor, the mean, the you know the uh, I can't think of the word I'm trying to think of right now for that. But just it's always the the problem before it becomes oh no he just learned that from someone else in his current class. So for me, I think obviously it's a difference when you talk about the well-off or the wealthy whites versus even wealthy blacks or the middle-class blacks or or, uh, impoverished um, blacks or or minorities. Do we think there's a difference when it comes to the impoverished whites and the impoverished minorities? Um, There absolutely is a difference. So yes, you are already going to get there's some judgment being passed on them as well and some hardship based on a financial situation. Right. Right. But if you evened out that financial situation, that problem would probably go away. Well, that's my point. So everything considered, you know, not taking the financial thing out of it. I think that there may be some, not a lot of similarities of issues and challenges from the more impoverished white Americans that, uh, kind of aligned with some of the challenges that we see as impoverished minorities. Yeah, but there, but see, ours, we have layers to ours. Right. They, yeah. They, they, right. Their layer there is strictly based on <laughs> monetary. Right. right. Because even when we achieve monetary success and we get to a specific tax bracket, we are still liable to be 
to those actions of racism and, 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 and learned behavior. So just this week, uh, Vin Rames was held at gunpoint in his own home. What? Yes. So he was held at gunpoint in his own home because a neighbor called and said a big black man had broken into the house. In so, his the house? Police, so the police show up and they knock on the door. He opens the door. They've got guns drawn and they tell him, put your hands up and, and walk out of the house. And it wasn't until he walked out that another officer responding to the scene was like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. I know that guy. And it wasn't because he was Vin Rames, the actor. It was because his son plays basketball with his son at the same school. And that's how he recognized him. Wow. Right. So, so us achieving equal spending power, equal earning power does not remove all the layers. No, not at all. I think I was listening to a podcast. Um, shout out to Michelle Bedeau. Um, listened to a podcast and she had D.L. Hughley on the show. And he has said the, um, and I want to quote it incorrectly, but you'll get the gist, that the, the worst fear a black man can have is the imagination of a white person. Because they imagine the worst before they know the reality of what it really is. So them coming into the house and... Um, drawing the guns on Ben Rames wasn't because, you no, know, they did not. If it was, this was a different house, they would knock on the door first. If someone opened the door, there's no guns drawn. Like, who – you're opening the front door. You're not running around the back. You're not – that's a different mindset. So, like – No, in a different scenario, it's guns not drawn, knock on the door. Oh, the owner answered. Yeah. Hey, sir, we got a report there might be a problem here. Exactly. Have, you, have you seen anything weird? Exactly. Exactly. But the first thing you see is, you know, you see a, a large and Ben Rams is a very large man, a very large man opening the door. And I'm sure he was just in regular houseware. Um, and that's it. So it just it, it's it's it saddens because you think that you would never like, I don't see this view of it. I know this is there. I know it's the reality. I know that this is what what happens. Um, but it's just it's just crazy. I, I don't know how to explain so, it. So 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 to bring it back now. Um, he interviewed, I can't remember who he interviewed with, but like right after it happened and he said, Hey, you know, okay, it happened to me. I know what to do, but had my son been home, what would have happened? Yeah. And so that's why I want to direct the conversation to Mike, because you have <clears throat> children than, than all of us and Michael is what, 13? Yeah. So what does that conversation look like with your son at that age where he is subjective to that police interaction or just different interactions amongst whites? What does that conversation look like from, from you as his father? Direct and beautifully honest. It's got to be, especially because of the environment that we grew up in. Like they've never grown up in a community where it's been more than 10% black. So he's already grown up with a skewed sense of reality in terms of thinking that he's brown instead of that he's black. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I'm brown daddy. <laughs> so I'm it brown. got to the point where I look, yeah, you may be, but right now you are perceived as a black man. So you get in the car or something happened with your buddies, like you're going to be the one that we got to come pick up out of jail while they're the ones sitting on the curb waiting for mommy and daddy to come pick them up from the scene. So to, right. So to get him to be more aware of what the reality is, is literally whenever there's a situation to have that conversation, we talk through it. Um, to where I can start to see that he understands what it is. But then once you understand it, then now I can teach you how to navigate through it. Because the first part is for you just to be aware of it. And I don't want you to be 
to the point where you become bitter and you become angry and you start to assume and put bias on the, your friends that you have instead of looking at them past the color part. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing that we did was literally when they got old enough to kind of be, we took the trip to Florida. So it was Gainesville, Orlando, and Miami. And it was, we went because, you know, Vaughn was graduating from masters and kind of to see everybody, but it was really a cultural trip because it started like, look, in Cleveland, you see skin, you can assume race, you can kind of go that type of thing. Where we're going, you cannot do that. And then that will change your perception of once we come back home, because you hear people talk about black and white issues. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to Miami. There are people that are dark skinned that you assume to be black. They have no care about black issues because they ain't black. Mm-hmm. they're from Cuba they don't speak no English you just just see or they're Jamaican and literally when we got there you could see the whole thing change to where they realize it's regional it's a point of time it's space it's literally where you are that depends on how the race and kind of the prejudices and all of that plays out um, there's still a bias by law enforcement um I'm going to say in all respects, but in most respects, kind of just depending on how you perceive by them as a threat being just black man. So be able to understand that, but don't go into it with your own mind made up that this person is going to be racist. Just mm-hmm. kind of be perceptive of the situation and adjust from there. Yeah. It is, it's, it is so amazing to me still how we're still having this conversation today and look, we all went to a school where we saw it on full display of people, I'm not black, I'm this, but you got the same skin uh, as I do. And I, I think in this country, it, it, it debilitates us and it takes away our power because we're, we're not at a point where it seems like that's ever going to go away. Uh, like, it's like, hard. Like, because I mean, it's hard, but here's the thing, right? If... For some stupid reason, <clears throat> slavery ever came back. Guess where you're going to be? Mm. Mm-hmm. That's fair. But you also you're going to you're gonna be right next to me, and you're going to be hoping that whatever language the enslaver is speaking, that I could translate for you. Because I'm going to be your lifeline at that point. Mm-hmm. I think it's, wow. you know... You know, there is so much pride in those other eth- ethnicities, and rightfully so. I mean, you but got- we're not asking you to not be prideful in who you are, or where you came from. It's just that the the basic level of 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 humanity that hey, we're brothers and sisters. So was it that way while you were at UM? Because no, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, so that's what I'm trying to get at. Because I think it's you. It sounds like, and I may be misunderstanding you saying one thing as far as the separation of the group instead of the, you know, the fist or whatever, even though we're all the same shade, we have different, uh, you know, backgrounds, but I don't know that I ever experienced that at the school because there were so few of us. Now, granted, there's an organization for everybody and right. you go to a party, there's going to be music for everybody. Everybody got their own little silo or whatever, what have you. And Miami is just such a melting pot. But when it came to an organized push or movement that required you know, solidarity. I'm pretty sh- I, in my experience, you know, we had that same solidarity. But that was only when it came to the need for a organized push. Right. 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 On just a regular daily thing. It didn't happen. The Caribbean yeah. folks went to their to section, African Americans mm-hmm. to their section, 
And then, you know, it kept going in, in, in layers. Yeah. But then that, yeah. Cause you right. had, so then you had people like me that, Hey, look, I'm of Caribbean descent, but I was born in the United States. So now there's a, mm. I get to go in and out, mm. never really feeling accepted by any particular one all the way because art's right. going to tell me, yeah, but you're not really American. And then really? I go to the Caribbean side, they're going to be like, oh, but you were born in the States, so you're not really one of us. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that absolutely exists. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I could definitely see it on the Caribbean side. I just know, I, I don't mm-hmm. know that I've ever experienced it. It is my, it's. Oh, what hap- it happens now. On when, the other side. Mm-hmm. Like, for, I mean, for me as an American, like, I wouldn't just say, oh, you're not really American. You're, you're Jamaican or whatever, especially for somebody that was born in the States but has the ethnic background. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's just tie it back to back to African African American born um, people, like when they're they're here and they're first generation. Technically, their parents tell them, well, "You're not black." Just remember, you're you're from this country. I mean, it happens. It's 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 where it is, and you, it's it's real life. And unfortunately, it takes a while for that to to grasp. And even earlier in my comment, I mentioned that how him being Nigerian, he's going to think differently about these things. But at the end of the day, if it's a lineup. They're still lined together. So, you know, his mindset may get him there a different world, different path. But the view looking at him is that he's a brown kid that, you know, doesn't matter where he came from. He's in this class type of brown. And I think another thing for me was Michael is parented different because I had the girls first. Mm. So it was a way of trying to translate how do I raise destiny? Um, so it went through a process of I'm raising her from a black man's perspective of how a black man should treat her and how she should expect a black man to behave and kind of what a father is and being there, understanding what happens as she gets older, even from my upbringing, like the girls that had mom and dad at home when you play in the middle school and you grabbing booties, had more points, like the whole concept. And I, I would literally tell her, like, this is game. This is what a kid's going to tell you. This is what he wants. And then I had Yasmin right after that. So now it's refining that work that you did with Destiny and that parenting part to literally both of them calm you down because you can't come in with switches and belt. <laughs> no. You're six two dad, and it's a nine-year-old girl looking at you like, I'm sorry, I broke it. <laughs> so that whole thought process. And then you get Michael coming. It's like, whoa, now, nah, all right. You got to do something a little different, but you can't be too different because the girls are going to recognize it. It's, it got tricky. Hey, you should have been here last week. But um, I do have a question for you on that. <laughs> so you said something, right? So you've prepared um, Destiny and – I'm sorry. What's number yeah. two? Yasmin. Yeah. Yasmin. That's what just, I thought. Just, just you, call her Doug. Uh, exactly number two is not as a renze he's number two paired destiny and yasmin on how they're supposed to be treated by a black male Mm -hmm. are they now handicapped with how a white male should treat them uh that i'm no i would say that they need the same expectations so i can only say from a black male's perspective in terms of the perception for black men and how black men are portrayed in the conversations that happen within family. And I can't even say friends because friends are opposite, but primarily within family and kind of stereotypes that she sees on TV. Mm-hmm. Now you can say my dad has shown me that there's a different way. 
the same principles and kind of thought process for what should be expected, they understand that that goes regardless of race. Like I need him to do these things. So I would say environment has gotten them prepared for white male um, because that's what they've been around primarily. The parenting has prepared them for the black side. So I've tried to do both. But is there supposed to, but is there a difference? Like that's a, what I was a, a male, a male should treat you this way regardless. I, I, to me, it's the same, right? And I don't have a daughter, so mm. you, you might have some different experiences, but a male should respect you as a woman, respect your ability to create and provide for yourself, right? And he should respect your boundaries. Is there anything different that a black male or a, a white male should do? Well, I would say this, uh, being completely honest and transparent, the uh, subliminal part of me in the subconscious was trying to steer her towards the black male. (laughs) 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 And not just make it as general to say, you can go after whatever you want. Right. Um, But yeah, there's no difference. Just so... I think that, that, <laughs> no, but but yeah, I think there is a difference when it comes to preparing them. Maybe not for for the the male, but for the the racist family. And that's mm-hmm. not, not racist, but race <coughs> s family, um, because it's going to be a different mindset of name depending on the background of that family of how you know a black woman is being accepted into a white family or an Indian family or a, a you know, Cuban family. I mean, it's going to be different than a black family. It's going to be an easier transition. You may have to bother with the sisters with the black family because you're coming and taking their, their brother, but it's a whole different battle on trying to prove that you're not the average black woman coming in there to a, a white family or to an Indian family. So I think that's going to be a whole different conversation or a thought on how to, to raise that process. It, it, oh man, I, I I hate to be this guy on the podcast episode, but no. we we keep saying things that are disturbing to me. Like <laughs> we want to make sure that they don't that they know you're not the average black male or female coming into their family. What does that mean? What what is the average black male or female? It's their it's just their their thought. Not that everyone is, but the the, the general mindset, general thought you're seeing now, and everything's happening in the news and so forth is what they see on TV. The average oh. person is what they see. You know the, the stereotypical. The, 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 the sassy, the the rude, the broke. Okay, the, so you're not the stereotype. Stereotypical. stereotypical. You're not the stereotypical. Okay, okay. I, I can accept. I read, I read books. I understand. I comprehend. We right. talk in complete sentences. I pull my pants up and wear a belt. I yo my nigga. But, uh, I can go there if I need to. We can say that on the podcast. I can. You can go back and forth <laughs> if you need to, but I can also. Fresh. Fresh isn't here, wow. so we need somebody to say something inappropriate. I'm sorry. I lost my point. Um, no, so <laughs> let's bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> so whoopings. How well, keep, about whoopings? Keep, keep looking for your point, but but here's my thing, right? Um racism is marketing. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. Something along those lines. Whoa, so whoa, whoa, whoa. That could be a t-shirt that is starting people to get beat up around here. Racism it is marketing. You know, worse than MAGA hats, man. Anyway. It is. Because if you think about it, how, how, do we, how do we promote and perpetuate the image 
of the average or stereotypical black person. And that's what sees some of the that that's what sees that fear and things or dealings with the opposite race, you know, for a white person or someone else of any other descent. What they see, what they hear, what they're fed, that just doesn't align with the norm. It's the stereotype. It's not the average. It's it's not the norm. It may happen, but that's the problem. But but understand that it happens the exact opposite too. And that's why uh, for non-minorities, they feel like, what do you mean? It's not that bad. There's not that problem because they're not exposed to it. They are marketed the best parts of this country. Mm-hmm. And that's why you don't see the actual travesties and the true extent of racism in textbooks. They don't teach it in school mm-hmm. because that's part of the marketing campaign. No, we, we've got the best country ever, but they're not exposed to what's really happening. And it's 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 one of the most protected spaces that I've experienced in my life of them not being able to. And I think that's what the the true essence and nature of privilege is, is that you are privileged to not be exposed to what the, the true uh, extent and experience of racism is in this country. But how do you keep how does that not become part of their reality when you're here, especially when you have the feel and well, I won't say the feel, but the look of being kind of African-American, if you're not, and I just speak that strictly because of skin tone, um, and understanding that you, do you stay in your particular environment? So like if you're in Miami, do you stay in an environment where you're from the Caribbean and you never take a plane ride to Texas or to Tennessee or to Kentucky to even understand that? Sorry, Texas, Tennessee, Kentucky. For you do, you do, but, but, guess where, but guess who you go see? Guess where you go? To those same environments where in most cases you go to that same environment, right? Yeah. I was—it's uh, funny that you mentioned that, Art. I was just talking to a Nigerian earlier this week, and he said that in Nigeria, he was told what areas in the United States he could go to where he could find Nigerian people, and he was told what areas did not have them, so to avoid those areas. Yeah. Wow. And that was before he ever set foot in the United States. So then the same question, I guess, for you about handicapping the deaths with white males is that how does that interact with truly feeling the American dream? Is it like because you stand that, do you have better success? Do you feel better about being here because you're consistently around the same people? Um, or is it a part of the American experience to be able to at some point in time have that interaction? I think we have to understand that we are living a different American dream. And we we are living it with the anticipation that one day it will be the standard. But right now, this is what our dream is. And our dream can immediately be uh, disrupted by the true American existence. That's not a dream, but the reality. Mm. And that goes back to what we were talking about, about teaching our kids about awareness of your environment Mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. consequences of actions because that's when your dream gets derailed mm-hmm. yeah mm. so is theirs better is it I, better to be blinded by it well i i think in in this environment it doesn't it i would say yeah yeah to a point because you're not inhibited on you can't do that because um when you come exactly. again you're you're told you can do whatever you want it doesn't matter but then if you 
you know, your race and, oh, you're just, you no, know, I, I hate to say this, you're just a black boy who would never do this or do better than that. You already, you've been being passed down by grandma to mom to, to dad. To, I mean, it's just, it, it's just systemically being passed down. Whereas though, if you're not in the mindset, you're like, hey, I can do what I want. Like, it doesn't matter. I can be, I can be the president of this or I can go be in the UN or I can go be a doctor without thought. And it's just, you know, it is a different mindset until you grow out of it, until you're to the point where you're like, oh, no, I can do better. Like, I think at this point in time, all of us were like, no, that's not, that's not the way I'm not stuck in that, in that, that same circle. I can get out of that. So then do you think that played into Barack's mindset by being raised by dad, Kenyan, mom, white? I'm sure that, 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 that definitely on one side was, was saying, Hey, you can do whatever you want to do. That was how I said, you, you are going to do whatever you want to do. I believe that. Especially being from Hawaii and kind of whole thing. Like, you can almost see a point where, he was never given that black male experience basically until he got Chicago. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But by then. So you already so so you already had the foundation that that's not gonna stop me. So I think mm-hmm. that it is it will come from the parenting that that's being generated. And you can change. Like, you know, you can be a, a black male, black female mom or dad and say, it's stopping here. You're, I'm not gonna pass down the the biases and the lock and the pigeon holding that's going to hold you from being forward. You can do whatever you want. So it's not just because that person is from another country somewhere else. We have the power and anyone on this podcast listening, you have the power to do this for yourself. I mean, Latin, black, wherever you are, you feel that you've been consistently been oppressed at some point. You can turn around and say, this is it. We're done. I have a newborn child. I have a new kid. You will be successful because I will put in your head. You can do whatever you want. And there's nothing going to stop you except you. Yeah, and look, I, I I don't want anybody to misunderstand where we're going because everybody has the ability to reach success and get the quote-unquote American dream. However, uh, for my son, if you're running a race mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you come up on a hurdle and you weren't expecting a hurdle, yeah. you don't know the pattern of your steps that's going to enable you to leap that hurdle and then keep going after you've leaked it. So I have to at least inform you of the obstacles that are coming. Mm -hmm. So this whole country, we've got bodies of water all over this country, right? Mm -hmm. And we have systems in place to make sure that we don't flood. They're called dams. And it's the same thing for racism. There are dams up that control the amount of racism we experience at any point in time. And if you look at it with this presidency, they, 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 they opened up the dams a little bit, right? And the racism is flowing now. So it's more apparent right now at this particular time. If we didn't know how to survive that and how to deal with that, oh, this would be a much worse experience than what it actually is right now. Mm-hmm. If, we couldn't, if we didn't build off of what we've experienced in the past. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think is an interesting point because what I've realized since the election until this point is that I don't think there was that anticipation that we could deal with it. So it was a constant push like, yeah, we go, okay, whatever, man. It's been like that for years. Like it's nothing new. Yeah, now we just know it's you. Like I always thought it was you, but now that you just said it, okay, goodbye. And it didn't change the lives of Africa. Well, I won't say the lives of all Africans, mm-hmm. but it didn't, it got to a point where we were able to adjust and have those particular discussions amongst us as a group to deal with all political changes, to adjust our lives, to still be able to like, all right, well, it's just election time. We'll just get you out next time. 
Yeah, we're and not gonna panic. Comes the kitty. Speaking of, where to go? Yes, 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 yes. It's all good. <laughs> Come on down here, Nandi. Which is interesting because all the all the boy children are up. All the girl children are still asleep. Yo, my daughter sleeps till like twelve o'clock in the afternoon. Like religious. Mm-hmm. Like this, she's been getting everything she can out of this summer. Mm-hmm. And then they give you a look like, "What do you want me to get up for?" Is right. Where go to stores. That's <laughs> funny. Now that you guys mention it, like it's that's amazing. Like all the girl cho- children I've been around, like yeah, they want to sleep. They want to uh-huh. sleep late, and the boys are always up first. Up at, up at seven o'clock in the morning. Like what are we doing? Can we go wow. outside? Wow. Wow. I, I want. I wonder if there is a a biological, like a physiological type thing there. That causes that. But anyway, that's another podcast. We'll, we'll get an expert. That we need an expert. I was just saying. Was just saying. Right, well, the expert just walked in. You want to come say hi, Nia? She like, uh-uh. <laughs> Easy, man. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up, man. Mr. Tom D. Hi, now. Tom D. What's happening? Hey. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yep. It's playtime now, Pop. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yep. So, speaking of young black, black children... <laughs> I remember when they were that small. <laughs> what you got for us this week, Faison, for your corner? So the corner this week is going to be some some simple and straight to the point. Wipe your nose with lotion on the cloth. <laughs> yes, definitely. Instead of using the word problem, try substituting the word opportunity. So whenever Absolutely. you like you have a you have a problem, don't think of it as a problem. It's opportunity to do better and to do great things. That is huge, man, especially in the professional arena. Uh, don't be a, don't bring problems. Be solutions oriented. It'll take you a whole lot farther. Or at least acknowledge the opportunity, like Art says, and take the time to brainstorm. Partner if you need to. But don't don't bring problems, bring solutions. Mm-hmm. Mic drop. Pow! Coach K, man, you got something for the people this week? Absolutely. Um, he ain't for everybody, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not for everybody, and I ain't trying to be. <laughs> uh, Mic drop. Again, everything that we talk about, you can relate to. As these guys just said, they were talking about, uh, you know, there's no problems. There's opportunities. And if your life never had a problem, what would the quality of your life be? Mm. So, again, going back to that diversity, you got to diversify that life portfolio. And for your kids, you want to start from young. You want to start making sure that they're prepared, not for just uh, diversity, but for adversity, because it will come in some form or another. So make sure that you're preparing them. Don't be naive and think that uh, the generation has changed and the climate has changed. What may seem temporary, just like the weather and the water and the flooding, you want to make sure that when that water rises, that your child can swim. Absolutely. Thank you. That is perfect. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Make sure you stay connected with us on all social media platforms at 13th Floor. Please catch this podcast on YouTube, Vimeo. You can listen to iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, where else we at? iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, um, Spotify, all over. Wherever you listen to your podcast, man, stay connected with us. Get with us. Subscribe. And if you like what you hear, leave a comment. If you don't like what you hear, leave a comment. If you love these T-shirts that we have on here every other week, get with my man Faison. He got the order and information for you. You can have one too. Because yes. boss is a title, not an attribute. And we out of here.
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for listening here with us on the 13th floor, where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. Shout out to Fresh, Jay Days. Say bye, birthday. Happy birthday, Jay. Bye. Hang gliding, Jay. Hey, Jay. Make sure you send us that video. Hey, we haven't heard from Jay since we couldn't go hang gliding. Yay. Hey, y'all don't go nowhere yet. Y'all don't go nowhere yet. Bye-bye. Yay. <laughs> it's gonna be like the extended cut because I do want to get this question in, and it could possibly be some uh, listener interaction once Fresh cuts it. But I want to get you guys' take on when do we feel it's appropriate to start that unlearning process um, that the system teaches our kids, you know, versus what's actually true? Because you know, a lot of the stuff that they learn in school, a lot of the stuff that they see in, you know, the TV on on TV and things of that nature, it's not necessarily the whole truth and with all of this newly acquired information and some research that, you know, I'm done, plus information just being everywhere nowadays and accessible. I want our, my child to kind of have very strong ethnic roots and to learn the truth. I mean, we've had instances of school books trying to rewrite slavery as it was a, um, it was a choice. And I, I forget the, uh, the publisher of that, but, you, when you have instances of that going on in the school system and places where they spend eight hours plus a day, when do we feel like it's appropriate to start that unlearning process? I, I think I'll go before it. And I, I'm going to go take the little one. Um, up, but yes. So like you said, it has to happen immediately. He comes, did they come home? You learned about what they learned today. Okay. Let me tell you about the, what, the, what this means and how to decipher this information. Mm. I think let it pile up. Um, it will it will then become too late. Um, like I think at this point now, like I I wish I had um, like Nandi's hair. Uh, right now, it's like super curly, super like it's awesome, and it's like you no know, regular hair. But like it's thick. He's gonna go to school and be probably told that oh your hair is too thick, it's too kinky, it's too coarse. But at this point now, I'm like hey, you have amazing hair. This hair is awesome. Like no, so it's like small things like that that he's gonna learn from other kids that he needs to know. No, no, no. This is no, my hair is awesome. Your hair is weird because it's, it's straight and thin. Or your hair is weird. So, so learning school things and reading the books, like read with them, see what's happening because it's going to be a lot of things. I know, Nambi, it's going to be a lot of things that, that they are going to be taught and told that we were even taught and told that we were like, wait, that, that happened differently? So we know now, we have more information that we can do things now and say so. And color is important. Yes. So that is that. Is that. So I will, I'll let it go at this point Auntie. and pass it off. But um, yeah. say bye. Auntie. Say bye, everybody. everybody. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it was the same what Art said, but I kind of held back on the real life experiences until you got older. Like I would give you one, but it would be age appropriate. Um, and the more, I guess, seasoned you got and the older you got, the more I could relate certain things that would kind of bring that point to light to get you to understand the gravity of it. Um, so, like, Yasmin did a whole thing. I want to say she was, like, in sixth grade. Yeah, it might have been. No, it had to be seventh grade because we didn't move here until then. But it was on slavery. It was like, look, you have to get an A. Like, there's no question. Like, you can't go in there and not know your information. You got to be able to be because you basically are the only black in the class. So you need to make sure that all your information is correct. You're confident in what you're presenting and make them feel uncomfortable. 
Like, don't feel like you can't speak up and say, well, I ain't going to say y'all did this to me. But, yes, point fingers, tell the truth, tell what happens. Don't let them water it down. Talk about the effects that it's currently had. But also understand that you live in this environment. So things that it may have done to blacks, to African-Americans that live in the inner city, that have worse off experiences than you, that experience a whole lot of racial things, we have tried our best not to have you in that environment. So don't assume that everybody shares the negative beliefs part of it. Um, because literally, that's the environment that we live in. So I can almost imagine it wasn't close to slavery as a choice, but there was some definite discussion with her and others in her class over the long-term effects of slavery on the current generation of people, her generation specifically, not mom and dad or grandparent, but trickling down to where she is at that age there was really some discussion back and forth within those that were in her group. Um, and particularly because of our environment, those were those that had households of Trump supporters. So it became more of a finger pointing towards you, like take responsibility for your own actions. It's your choice to do these. It's their choices to do these, to be on welfare, to do the food. It became a pretty heated conversation. I think if you get to the point where you have to do unlearn, it's too late. Because the foundation of learning starts at home. Uh, school is the environment. I mean, school, school is supplemental. Mm. So if you get to that point, that seed's already been planted where if you have to unlearn and you don't know, it's going to be like a, like, a, like a wild vine. You're always going to be trying to get rid of that vine or that wild weed. Mm -hmm. So getting back to our nurture from the last podcast, you've got to make sure that that soil is only uh, uh, conditioned and, and vital for things that contribute to that existence and to that growth. Anything that's not going to add value won't be able to grow and thrive in that soil. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Let us know what you think, man. Do you start the unlearn process early? Do you so wait? The, the cool part is like if you're watching – and if you said what Art just did with Namdi, like that's the learning part. Like literally it was no conversation at all, but him just spinning back and forth in the chair like that, like he loves it. And that's a bond that you get between father and son to where it get to be when he get to be 13, I'll tell you real, real situation. Michael yeah. has been on the mound and it has been only a father dad look of a moment for him to realize it's going to be okay, dude. Just breathe. And you can feel the energy and the connection between the two of us. Um, so that right there is parenting, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Parenting 101 on the 13th floor. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wait, hey, man, we out of here for real. <laughs> you sure? That's right, Namdi. Says parenting 101. My dad's a beast. Right. <laughs> you are a beast. And your little brother is a beast. This whole beast mode family. Y'all <laughs> beast mode hats. <laughs> Keep it, keep it up, Art. You got a girl coming next. Oh, no, no, no. oh that's right. Art, Art's done. No, he's no, he's done. I, I am sterile. <laughs> he gets a girl. We got bigger problems. Right? That is true. That is true. Uh, All right, Fresh, cut the tape, man. Like, like, nah, let's keep talking. <laughs> the third section. That section is probably be the teaser for the actual podcast. Oh, yeah.
13th floor. floor. floor.